Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We support our local team and our local brewery, Phantom Brewery, and they've decided to support us back and you guys by offering a 10% off code EPR10 when used on their website, phantombrew.com will get you 10% off anything you order this season. That code again, EPR10. LaFondra looking to get cold side of Fon. LaFondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Guten Morgen, guten Abend, or whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this here podcast. It's the Elm Park Royals podcast, and more specifically, the preview pod for West Bromwich Albion at home this coming Saturday. I'm joined, I'm blessed and honoured to be joined by James Earnshaw from the Reading Chronicle. Good afternoon, James. Good evening, Jacob. How are you? It's funny because it, five o'clock is that afternoon or evening? I'm saying yeah. afternoon, but it's, 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 it's almost it's quarter to six. So like half five yeah, is the end of the day, so I'd maybe class that as evening. And your your work day is is drawing to a close because today you're at the the presser for the media down at Bearwood. The big headline news being it wasn't uh, manager Paul Ince that that did it for once, was it? No, no, we got Alex Ray instead. Lovely guy, very funny. Uh, he didn't like me bringing up the Rangers result yesterday. Uh, <laughs> he said, you're not too young to get a clip around the ear. Um, oh, no, fighting uh, talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Good, good laugh. It was a busy one today because uh, there was Sky and EFL there for some reason. Ooh. So uh, we got shafted outside. Um, so sort of, we spoke to Alex Ray ourselves and then they said, oh, outside while we do Sky. And I sat there waiting for uh, we got Andy Carroll. The minute the big boys come yeah. knocking, like it's the actual like locals like like us get shifted to one side. It's not <laughs> on. Before we get into the real nitty gritty for West Brom, a couple of shout outs before we we dive in. First of all, to our regular sponsor, Phantom Brewing Co. Um, Christmas is, I'm reliably told, coming up first. So keep an eye out for some festive deals over there on the Phantom Brewing Co. website. However. Um, hot off the press, uh, James has also informed me that his Elm Park Royals uh, replica shirts have just arrived in the post. Uh, what's the verdict, James? Oh, they're stunning. 
I got five side football tonight, so I don't know which one I'm going to wear. But they are they're both gorgeous, and the design is the, the feel proper football shirt feel. I was going, I was thinking it was going to be more like a rugby shirt, but no, it's a proper. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't need to invest in a new Reading shirt this year because I now have two to choose from. Very envious because um, I wasn't quick enough and you've got both, I've got neither. I might, if, you, if you get burgled <laughs> in the middle of the night and you're missing one of them, you know it's, you know it's me. But, and uh, final, final, final quick plug, only because Paul says I ought to. Uh, if you are a podcast addict and the On Park Rules podcast is not enough for you, might I humbly recommend, if you're into your fancy football, that you check out The Drunken Transfer, which is hosted by me and another one of my mates, Finn. That's at Drunken Transfer on Twitter. Pretty shameless like episode. plug there, Jake. It is a pretty shameless plug, <laughs> but Paul was the one that said I ought to do it. A bit of self-promo never hurt anyone. It's like when you message me saying, Jacob, can you retweet one of my Chronicle tweets? It's yeah, a bit like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, it's, it's like, I, might, I might cut that out. But uh, yeah, no, if you uh, if you have any fancy football proclivities, give us a follow at Drunken Transfer on Twitter. I promise it's a good time. Right now, we're five minutes in. We haven't actually talked about much football. Let's go back to the press conference, James, because we've got injury news. It's like, I think you're the one that said it. We're operating a bit of a one-in-one-out policy at the moment because mm. it's looking like Shane Long's going to be in contention. But bad news for Sam Hutchinson. Yeah, so Shane Long is uh, reportedly back. Uh, it's, it's sort of in the fold for Saturday, which is good. Another striker option up front, although arguably it's the one position where we don't really need more depth. Uh, but Hutchinson uh, is out for at least this game. I thought Jonathan Lowe did a story for a month. Alex Ray didn't specify today how long for, but he said at least this game. Uh, no reason to sort of disagree with Jonathan, so let's say it for a month. That's what, five, six games he's missing for with the current sort of three games a week I mean it's absolutely ridiculous but you know they they've they've muddled through this far I'm sure they can muddle through another month or so yeah it just begs the question because I asked Jonathan Lowe on last week's preview who we should start up top because um well in jest Jonathan suggested that we play this like four up front formation of a yeah. mate Tim, Tim Deller is also uh, a fan of the four up front oh, he's a regular I... conversation at Bearwood Really? Oh dear, that's that's interesting to know. The tactical genius that is Tim Deller, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I suppose, James, just for a balance, we've got Jonathan's opinion. Who would you start up top against West Brom? Uh, I think, uh, was it, what was Cardiff? Um, Blackburn, was that Zhao and Long? It for, I think for... Blackburn gave me one 3-0. Or yeah. was it Tomington, Tomington, Shane? You know what? It's a good question, isn't it? Because whatever think... it was, just do that. Because I mean, the sort of <laughs> the 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 amount of pressing, uh, the, the chances we created, that sort of mm. for me has got to be the template for which we've got to base future performances on. Yeah, it's, it's you're right because it's about getting the right mix, isn't it? Because we've put we've tried putting two big men up top in in Jao and Carroll, and they're very different players in that. Mm. Carroll very much is a target man, and Jao very much isn't. But then we've also tried it with Ince up top and like having the, him like run off someone and sort of link in the midfield. So interested to see who Ince and Ray give the nod to. Mm. Ultimately, I think whatever it is, you need Zhao because he's the finisher. I'd, I'd say the rest of those strikers are more sort of hard workers and, and runners. And, you know, they'll get their fair share of goals. But Zhao is just out and out if you get creating the chances of scoring the goals. I think he's yeah. the only, I think he's the highest quality finisher in our team in terms of just scoring goals. Talking of strikers, uh, I think Andy Carroll 
was down at Bearwood today and making it known that he would like to extend his stay beyond January because of course he's contracted like he was last season up mm. until the middle of January and then he's he's off again and by his own admission the reason it took so long for him to, to come in other than the fact that he was assessing other options we presume is the fact that he wasn't quite up to speed in terms of the fitness if he can stay fit and the player wants to stay it's a no-brainer to extend it isn't it James it's just a case of whether oh, the, the legal letters yeah exactly that I, I, I mean the fact that it's only a half season deal anyway makes me think it could be something to do with the EFL and whether it'd be more hassle to give them a year and maybe take longer. So they just wanted to get him in and give him a short-term contract. I mean, I don't know that, but who knows with the EFL, that could sort of be one of the hoops you've got to jump through. But, I mean, Carroll just brings so much to the team. I mean, no one holds up the ball like Carroll. No one, I mean, he's got, even his first touch, I mean, everyone says, you know, the cliche, oh, you know, he's got good feet for a big man, but he really does have amazing, like the way he brings it down and just passes it off or shoots or lays it off. I mean, you could you can tell there was an England international in there, and um, he seems happy. He seems, you know, excited. I mean, Bill Jagielka came up in conversation today somehow. Um, I think it's <laughs> he scored last week. They did forty, and apparently every time Carol sees Jagielka, he says, "I want to try and last longer than you do." So he says he's still got at least six more years left in him. So uh, who knows, Carol for longest serving player? I reckon we got a decade left in him yet. He's like the striking equivalent of Jean-Luigi Buffon, or that, or that <laughs> guy out in um, that guy out in Japan called um, what's he called? Uh, I don't know, but he's still playing at fifty. Yeah. So uh, you never know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it seems like a, a good bloke from from the experience we've had of him in Birch. I mean, he always does like the um, the nice like charitable stuff with the schools as mm -hmm. well, and just you know, everyone's got a lot of time for him. So whether he starts on Saturday or not, you know, it'd be he's um he's been a good servant for the rules and let's hope he bags a few more goals on to saturday now then because we're playing west brom at home and last time i did a preview for a west brom game we had chris lepkowski on from the liquidator mm. pod and uh, he's a west brom fan and it, it was at the time they'd only just appointed Gourlay, i believe mm. as ceo and you know i was giving it a big saying oh you know you've got to watch yourself chris mm. you know look what you did to reading but he was very much of the opinion, okay, give him time, let's see where we are. You know, he's he's saying all the right things so far, like he, like he did with us. However, fast forward to the present day, they have drawn an inordinate amount of games. I mean, they've mm. drawn eight compared to us who can't seem to draw. One. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. And uh, more to the point, they've had Bruce in and had Bruce out because Steve Bruce sacked this week. It's a shame, I was hoping that he'd, make it to this game so we could <laughs> you know definitely beat them but but um he's gone um and the West Brom fans are relieved that he is gone I mean what's what's gone so wrong because I mean I know we're on the outside looking in James but it's been a disaster for them hasn't it I mean John Swift's joined and he's on his like eighth manager in six years mm. or something stupid <laughs> it's um it's not looking good is it now, Ron Gourlay's got his hands over the club, hasn't he? And we all know mm. what a club only ever goes south when he gets involved. I mean, I think they've got problems with their owner. I think I read their owner took a large sort of loan out of the club to help his own company, which never seems like a good thing to do. Um, but I mean, to be fair, I mean, they didn't, they came what mid table last year. So, you know, everyone thought that the Swift and, and, and Jed Wallace and, and the like would get them up, but they didn't show any signs really last year of. of pushing top two anyway, they might scrape mm. into the playoffs. I mean, it's just a case of on paper, they've got a really good squad, but no one's managed to gel them together yet. So um, 
whoever whoever comes in has got you know, an, an amazing amount of individuals on their hand for the championship yeah. that should really in this division which is the weakest championship i think i've seen for a long time there's no reason why someone comes in can't get a tune out of it but at the minute it's always the same thing where if it's going wrong off the on the field then everyone starts turning their heads to off the field which at the minute looks a bit of a shambles really at the hawthorns yeah, I mean, talking of the squad they've got, it was amusing. I was reading an article in The Athletic this week about how Steve Bruce literally signed his name <laughs> yeah. at Eric Peters just because he was a free agent. Yeah. But, um, you know, aside from that, they do have players. I mean, Jed Wallace signed recently. He's mm. um, statistically their best performing player on on who scored so far. He's got three goals and two assists to his name in, in 13 appearances. Um, Grady Dean Garner seems to be having a better campaign this time round. Has already got three assists and two goals to his name. So they do have players. I mean, even Swift's got four goal, goal contributions, and and their fans are not fully impressed with him yet. But yeah, I was going to say he's not really uh, turned people's heads too much in in the Midlands mm-hmm. after the way. I mean, he always was, was with us, wasn't he? Really, he'd have four or five great games, and then he might go a bit quiet for the next sort of eight or nine. Um, but he'd always sort of pop up when when he needed to. It's yeah. it's a weird dynamic where he's gone from the last probably three or four years being our key man and you know the the, fo- the focal point, and he's now just another good player in a in a good team. It's mm. an interesting sort of dynamic switch. In theory, he should have less pressure and therefore maybe um, sort of be able to to you know sort of have a more level playing field. But maybe he's a player that sort of thrives under being the main man. I'd be interested to ask the West Brom lads in the second half of the podcast just where he's playing for them because from what mm-hmm. I read, because he never was really an out-and-out number 10 for Reading. He always used to no. drop deep to collect the ball and then progress it that way. But from what I can tell, they seem to be playing him as like the number 10. And mm. you know that might not necessarily be his most favoured position. But regardless of all that, we have to play a team again that are on a new manager bounce even though mm. they haven't got a new manager yet, they're going to have a caretaker <laughs> in. And um, this begs the question then, James, how are we expecting it to go? Because Reading have been in middling form. I mean, we've won one, drawn one, lost one in the last three. Um, we could be pleased with the point against Norwich and obviously very disappointing in the way that we let it go at the death mm. against QPR in really silly circumstances. So do you reckon we've got enough to get a response this time around? You'd like to think so. I mean, you're going, you're facing a club that are in disarray, really. So you, your aim should be to win. But there's always a caveat that on paper and on their day, they were a very good team. I mean, they tore Hull apart, didn't they? Yeah. In their in their one win. So you know, when the players turn it on, um, you know, then they're a dangerous proposition. And when with Swift coming back to the Medeski, you can guarantee him either scoring or setting one up. Uh, so that's oh, at least guaranteed. one goal in the goals against tally. Um, so you've got to score two to win the game. Uh, I reckon we'll win narrowly. Uh, I don't think it'll be particularly sort of uh, performance you look back on. But um, yeah, I'm going to go two one. Me too. You're a copycat. I mean, no, no, well, no, you're not. You had no idea I was going to go for two one. But um, I agree. I think it's going to be the reverse of QPR. I think it's going to balance itself out that way. I think we're we're going to labour to an unconvincing but scrappy mm. textbook Paul Ince win. Honestly. Uh, be interesting after he wasn't at his press today if he if he makes the game we'll just have yeah, to see but yeah. but um but yeah i mean it should be i mean I, it's me my brother and an entire gaggle of other people going on saturday so we're going to make a day of it and uh rumors are afoot that we might also be going out for a drink after that game too james so i look forward yeah, to that greatly more, more than one drink i hope <laughs> well i don't know i mean it's it's tough times out there so <laughs> might be rushing. 
Uh, thank you so much for coming on, James. It's always no, a pleasure speaking to you. And after this very short break, we'll be joined by a member of the West Brom camp to pick their brains and see how they reckon it's going to go on the weekend. And until then, stay tuned. Adios. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back after the break. If you have survived the break, I'm delighted to say that we're now joined by the opposition this week. It's Chris Hall from Albion Analysis. If you'd like to give them a follow on Twitter, uh, they are very conveniently called at Albion Analysis. So that's a nice, easy one for those of you at home. For all Reading fans, if you want to give me a uh, give me a follow, there's so much anti Gourlay stuff on my Twitter. Oh, so that's like, what we like to hear. you will eat it up. <laughs> at CJ Hall eighty three is my personal one as well, and it's at the moment it's all anti Gourlay. So basically, get a bag of popcorn, yeah. log on, and just sit back and enjoy. We are all about the anti Gourlay stuff. It's like our catnip. <laughs> like it's it's what sustains us. The minute that article broke on the Athletic this week, Chris about all of the behind-the-scenes shenanigans since, um, you know, Bruce has been, well, in charge and since out of a job. Uh, we we were lapping up because, I mean, you don't like to see another club doing badly necessarily, but we, Reading fans, have been beating the drum saying the, the CEO is not good for you. And it, that's exactly how it's transpired, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, by the way, shout out to Elias Burke for that article. What a piece of journalism that was that uh, just uh, and if you haven't read it yet, just like go on to The Athletic filter by West Bromwich Albion. It's one of the top articles. Some staggering stuff in there about just the nepotism running through the club, like Gourlay hiring Steve Bruce without any sort of an interview process or any consultation process whatsoever, just literally bringing bringing his mate into the club, that the recruitment over the summer was just... Gourlay, Ian Pierce. Uh, by the way, if anyone can tell me what he does at the club, I'd love to know. Um, supposed to be our head of recruitment. Don't think he's got a clue. Don't know what he does for his salary. Um, and Bruce sat around the table, basically coming up with a list of players that they that they knew. Um, mm. And uh, and Steve Bruce signing players who are his neighbours um, yeah. from uh, Eric uh, in, in Eric Peters. You know uh, that that I mean that was the that was the real cherry on the icing of the uh, yeah. of, of the cake of a farce that our football mm. club has become come when Elias broke that that uh, that Bruce basically managed to sign Eric Peters because he lives he lives down the road from him so it's proper like Mike Bassett England manager stuff that isn't it I mean this is what we've been saying on on Twitter all week uh, as Albion fans we, we we've basically been saying look when 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 Brian Clough was doing this stuff in the 80s and the 90s it was it, it, uh, or seventies and eighties, it was cute and it was uh, and 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 it was clever and it was um, it was how things were done uh, done back then. Now it's just prehistoric, yeah. you know the the, the things the, the things that are going on at our club. Just, I mean, not only should they not be going on in twenty twenty two, they shouldn't have been going on at any point in the last fifteen mm. years. Like it, it's it's just it's just beyond it's 
beyond belief. And Ron Gourlay styles himself as this man who knows how to knows how to run a football club. Keeps telling everybody he's got Chelsea and Manchester United on on, on his curriculum vitae. Well, I'm sorry, Ron, but you don't seem to have a Scooby Doo. Like um, as as I said to you off air, you know, he he gave it the big one on a statement when he joined the club about how the club had become disconnected with the fans and that he was going to um, reaffirm that connection with the fans. And then we had transfer deadline day where we were supposed to be signing Josh Onema and Steven Alzate on loan. And both deals fell through for reasons which nobody could understand at the time. It transpires, or so it appears from what the media have reported, that the paperwork was uh, done incorrectly for at least one of those deals. And... Um, Gourlay hasn't come out and spoken. He hasn't spoken about um, that. He hasn't spoken about the manager dismissal. He's just hid behind um, a club statement. He hasn't said a dicky bird for yeah. months. Um, and it, it, it's just basically he it, he he thought he could chuck around some cheap season tickets and um, and a fan zone, and that the fans would be placated. He thinks he thinks our supporters are a stupid, and they're not. Yeah. And they know their football club. Um, honestly, the guy. Uh, I, th- I think we we summed it up quite nicely when we were having a chat earlier. And uh, and because the, the bottom line is, the guy sells you a dream, and he, he does. and he doesn't deliver on it. Yeah, he does. Listen, I'll draw parallels because it's um, there are just so many things that make me get goosebumps and think, oh God, this is exactly what it like right up until he left us. Like he, um, the, the thing about the and relations plummeted to an all-time low when, when Gourlay was was upstairs. And and on top of that, um, the way that he conducts business and says, oh, well, you know, I was at Manchester United and Chelsea. Mm. Being the CEO of a Premier League club is not, the, like it's, it's not the same as, as managing in the championship it's it's different worlds and you know you can't apply his previous the red west brom it's it's a disaster and funnily enough you mentioned about the falling through on deadline um our own who on his linkedin profile proficient with a uh, i'll tell you what i mean Gourley, Notes of our CEO, if you're to avoid a repeat of um, of any um, deals falling through at the last minute again, but no, it sounds like a nightmare, Chris, and it's been capped off by this week where you've lost your manager, and um, or rather, like he's been given the boot, um, yeah. and it's that's gonna, not that's a minute too soon. <laughs> yeah, we could. We, I mean, we, we we were desperate to lose him. I mean, uh, that chance would be a fine thing. Um, I mean, look, he's he's gone and. Uh, it's a weird one with Bruce because, uh, the, uh, you know, look, obviously the XG, and I don't know whether whether you or your listeners have, have any real interest in in expected goals and and the data around it. Obviously, I, I, I run a podcast called Halbian Analysis, so I do have some interest in it. Um, and the data goes to show that, um, uh, that, that, w- that we should be somewhere between first and fifth 
um, based on uh, on our expected goals. Um, now, you have to take that into some sort of um, con- consideration of the context that um, we have been behind in seven out of the 13 games. Um, and, uh, and we constantly can see... No, I think, yeah, I think it's seven of the 13 games we've been behind in. Um, and we constantly concede in the, in the first 15 minutes of games as well. So... You know, when you are behind in a game, and when you're behind in a game from early on, you are going to create more chances. So your expected goals is going to be higher than the opposition because naturally they're going to sit sit in and defend what they've got, and and you're going to you're going to come out and try to get back into the game. So there is a mitigating factor in there. But the the, the reality of the situation is, if I mean our goalkeeper David Button, who's been dropped for the last couple of games, um, was letting past him more than one one in every two shots he was letting in 56% of the shots which mm. is atrocious i mean it's, it's significantly the worst in the division it's it, you know i mean it literally means the team had to have two shots on target to pretty much guarantee scoring against us which mm. is which is dreadful really um and so you've got that element of it where the ball was going past the goalkeeper. You've got the other element of it where we were missing some crazy chances. If anybody saw our game at home to Watford, you know, we would just, uh, and even, even against Burnley, the ball just wouldn't go in until, until the 98th minute. Um, so we had some unlucky games, but equally, as I say, Bruce was picking the goalkeeper for a start for 11 yeah. games. I mean, why he, why, why it took him 11 games to work out that the guy had crisp packets for hands when the Albion fans <laughs> could see it for about week one, I don't know. And then, and and then you you're also you've also got to say, okay, but there's got to be a reason we keep going behind in games. Bruce is not setting the, the team up correctly. You can't keep conceding in the first 15 minutes and it be an accident. So whilst I have a little bit of sympathy for Steve Bruce in the sense that I think some early early games in the season could have gone differently with a little bit of luck and um and and if they if they go a bit differently maybe the whole season goes a little bit differently and he's lost Daryl DK early on like after the Middlesbrough game who's obviously an 8 million pound striker and supposed to be our star man and he's he, he hasn't played a full match for us yet mm. um since joining in January which is which is really un, uh, unfortunate and on top of that he lost Semi Ajayi as well who's our best defender so he has had some bad luck but at the same time You've just, you know, you're, he keeps telling us, he, he kept telling us he was a manager of a thousand games experience. Well, then surely you know how to set a team up so we don't concede yeah. in the first 15 minutes for crying out loud, Steve. So whilst I have an, a degree of sympathy that the season could have gone differently for him, the longer the season went on, the more we kept saying on the podcast, Bruce hasn't got any answers. No. He was not reactive enough in games. Um, I felt he, it, whether it was that we needed to get back in a game or whether we needed to, um, whether we need to win a game or whether we need to ho- ha- hold what, what we got, I didn't feel like he had the changes to do it. Uh, like Preston away when we were 1-0 down, last 10 minutes we were just passing the ball across our back four. And I was just like, what are we doing? Luton, we, we're, we're on a nil-nil at home in a game that he absolutely needed to needed to win. And we just, it was like we'd settled for the draw, to be honest. Yeah. They weren't interested in winning the game either. Clearly nil-nil at the Hawthorns was a good result for them. Um, and we, we, just, we just settled for, for the point. So, I mean, in terms of you guys, you couldn't be playing us at a better time, really. I mean, we 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 don't know whether we're coming or going. We don't we because one week we're one of the most attacking teams in the division, and you know, after 
I think it was before the Reading game, we were on 17 goals scored, um, which was like the fourth most in in the division. But we'd conceded 17 goals, which was about the third most in the division. And then, like, he, he we take on Luton and... Mm suddenly he shuts up shop, but we offer like next to no threat at the other end of the field. Exactly. So we are just, honestly, we're a swingometer where mm. we, you know, we've, it's no surprise. We've, we, we've drawn eight games this season because we're either incredibly bad at the back, um, uh, and, but really quite exciting going forward, or we fix up the defence, but we offer nothing up front yeah. as a, as a, as a result. <laughs> yeah, we, we've no, at no point this season have uh, can you can you honestly say that we've turned in a performance where we have been a good attacking threat, but you were confident about us at the back. Even Hull, who we stuck five past, we mm. still let two really weak goals in in, in against them late on. Um, the only game we've won this season, uh, and to be honest, they, they hit the crossbar in the first half at uh, nil nil. Mm. So. Even even then, we looked porous in the only game which we've won, where we stuck five past the opposition. Yeah. We are we're a crazy team. We're we're, we, we're a crazy team. It's it's from the outside looking in, it's just been impossible to follow because you just it's just you seem to swing from just one crisis performance to another. And it's funny because we take crisis performances, and you mentioned settling for a draw. You are the the division's draw specialists. I mean, mm. you're 22nd in the division, having drawn eight games, which is But we, ha- we haven't settled for a draw in most of them. We settled for a draw against Luton. In all fairness, most most weeks we get a draw because we have to come back. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we go 1-0 down in pretty much every game. You know, we dominate the game against Watford, but we go 1-0 down. Okay, that was it was a goal from the halfway line. You can't mitigate for that. But mm. then we go a goal down against Burnley because we we basically let Nathan Teller run beyond our entire uh, entire defence, you know, because we're playing a high line without Semi Ajayi. Um, Huddersfield, who are dreadful, by the way, we go 2-0 down against them and then play them Huddersfield off the park. Huddersfield are awful yeah, right, it's like had a sort of worst worst team we played this season. But we have an yeah. abysmal first half an hour against them, where we let them go two nil up, and then for the last hour we play them off the park. And mm. to be honest, should have won the game. But you you can't you can't give a team a two goal head start and expect to win a game for an hour. We've absolutely dominated that match against Huddersfield, and okay, we should have had a penalty right at the end. But even so. You, if you don't go to, if I'm telling you now, if you don't go two nil down against uh, against Huddersfield, we win that game probably three four one because we were on the day after the the madness of the first twenty minutes half an hour where we let two goals in. That was one of the most dominating dominant performances I've seen from an Albion side in a long yeah. while for an hour. But the problem is the good performance comes at two nil down. Yeah, Chris, you say that this is the best possible times we play in West Brom. The funny thing is, from a Reading fan's perspective, we have played so many teams this season that have just sacked their manager. And we, we play them at a time where they've either appointed a new manager, which has not happened in your case yet. And I know there's discussions going on and depending on who you believe. And we talked about cutting through the chaff on Twitter and it's it's tough to really get a handle on just how your manager search is going. But the guy that will be in charge for the baggies at the weekend looks to be Richard Beale. How do you want him to change it? Because he's he's got it. He's even though you say we're playing you at, at the right time, surely he can get some kind of a performance you, out of it. Because you, you've got you know, players on paper. You know what his record is as a as, as a as a um, 
caretaker manager, don't you? Oh, go on, go on, please tell me. R- Richard Beale has been caretaker manager before for one game when he was at Birmingham City and Lee Clark got sacked. He got beat 8-0 by... <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, so that's instantly sort of calmed me down. I mean, I'm not having there. a go at the bloke. I don't know anything yeah. about him. I don't know the circumstances of that. It just doesn't bode very well, does it? But, uh, no. but no, no, I mean, uh, in terms of what do I want him to change... I don't want him to change a lot. I just want him to find the balance that Bruce yeah. couldn't. I, you know, I, I, I mean, to be honest, I haven't got a problem with a start in the game like we did against Luton on Saturday. As long as, as we grow into the game and as we sort of like, you know, build our clean sheet, that he's got a way of changing it at the other end so that we can go and win the game because that's what Bruce lacked. To be honest, we had some big chances in the first half against Luton. Um, There there was one that Brandon Thomas-Asante hit the post with and really should have scored. Um, But And and for the first half, you thought, oh, okay, you know, we're we're in this game. We're the better team. It's not a brilliant game of football by any stretch of the imagination, but we're, you know, we're edging it. We're edging it. And and they don't look a threat. And they they didn't look a threat really for the whole game. And then the second half starts. And basically, Nathan Jones has obviously worked out what we're trying to do and has gone, right, let's let's nullify this. Um, let's find a way of nullifying it. Because we were we were bringing in Wallace and Dean Garner narrow and uh, and they were rotating around almost like, you know, almost like how, how a Premier League front three would interchanging with each other's uh, positions. And, 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 and basically, uh, Nathan Jones just tucked his, t- uh, tucked his fullbacks in and went, right, okay, we're, we're going to offer you no space in the middle of the park. Yeah. Now let's see what you can do. And Bruce didn't have an answer to it. And that's, that was the problem every week. I, I don't, th- there is good bits in virtually every game we've played this season. Hmm. Probably, I mean, even, even, even Preston away, which was the worst performance, probably there was still, there was still 10 minutes in there after he made the substitutions where we got on top of it. But then again, Ryan Lowe made substitutions to nullify what Bruce had done. And Bruce hadn't got a reaction to it. So what I want to see from Richard Beale is some tactical nous, some Mm. in-game management. I I, I think he's seen it. He'll have seen enough from what we've done this season to know that there, there is, there are good ways he can set the team up from the off. He's got to make, he's got to make the team more solid than Bruce did because we we can't keep conceding in the first 15 minutes. It's just, it's ludicrous. It's, it's literally chucking a game before you've even started. You might as well, you know, it, 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 this isn't the playground here where, where the year above plays the year below and you give them a, you give them a goal head start before, before you even begin. This is championship football. You can't, you can't do it. So he's got to set us up reasonably solid, but Bruce did on, on Saturday. I didn't have a problem with that. What I had a problem with was that in-game, he had no way of changing it up to alter the game when Nathan Jones's tactics snuffed Bruce's out. And and that's been that's been the problem all along. Bruce has just shown himself to be have no adaptability whatsoever. Manager from a bygone age. You know, he's 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 had his time like he's managed a thousand games, like fine, whatever, but like it's you know, it's 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 what you can do in the here and now. And if you don't have that in-game management, you're instantly at a disadvantage in this division because there are some very tactically astute managers. I don't think Paul Lintz is necessarily one of the better ones, by the way. 
But um, it's it's not just about how you set a team up; it's how you you shuffle the the pack in in the yeah. context of the ninety minutes. But you've minutes, got some it? pace and physicality at the top end of we the do. field, and that that's... and that's something that we've that we've struggled with. I mean, because I mean that uh, to be honest, against Swansea. Once we got the equaliser uh, 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 from Jake Livermore, I really thought we w- we were the only team going to win that. And then um, uh, and and then they uh, Russell Martin throws on Michael Oberfemi, and he just murdered us. Yeah. He just absolutely murdered us. And mm. uh, and uh, again, you know, not as physical, but the the pace of Nathan Teller in behind killed us. Uh, up at Blackburn, the physicality of uh, Ben Brereton Diaz absolutely, absolutely mm. killed us. We 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 have we have a problem with uh, with with strong forwards and ones who like to uh, like to get in behind. We're not too bad at defending our box from balls in it's it's balls into feet where people are people are trying to roll them and people and where we've played with a high line where we've got exploited in behind even Josh McGuinness did us for for Wigan with a ball in behind but it's the it's those strikers that can that, that can outmuscle people when we, when we've seen strikers come who are not up for the fight mm. um, and a good example of that was Emmanuel Dennis of uh, of Watford that they get snuffed out. Uh, he was dreadful. I mean, he, he, we we had him in we had him in our pocket pretty much the the whole game because he he went toe to toe with us early doors and he didn't he didn't fancy it. He did not fancy it. But if you if you really fancy it, if you come if you come with the attitude of your strikers come with the attitude of I am game for a fight this yeah. weekend, like Michael Oberfemi did when he came on. Very much like Josh McGuinness did when he started up front for Wigan, as clearly Ben Brereton Diaz did for uh, for Blackburn, then you can have some joy against our defence. You really can. The only thing that's kind of mitigated that in the last couple of games is Martin Kelly has looked really, really good. To be fair right. to him, yeah. I mean, you're talking about physical strikers. And somebody who will be known to you, and we do need to single out a couple of players for the weekend. Andy Carroll. It has gone from Reading to West Brom and then back again. He's back at Reading. And he's getting up until our latest defeat to, to QPR, because we need a reaction against you guys off the back of that, that result. Um, he was playing about 70 minutes a game, but he lasted the full 90 in that game. And he 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 does look like he's up to speed now. And he's, you know, he doesn't have the legs necessarily, but he's so good with the ball at his feet. He has that little bit of extra class. Talk to us about how he was for West Brom because he was barely there, wasn't he, Chris? And you know he didn't well, leave that much of an impact, did he? Or like, he was there I, from no, January no, to the did. summer. No, he did. We loved him. We loved yeah? him. Like, yeah, we loved him. We thought he was brilliant. Um, look, he came in. I mean, he, he came in at a really difficult time, to be honest, because he 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 joined the club right at the end of Valerian Ishmael's uh, reign, um, and and just as everything was really really going to pot um and like but but he he came, he came in against Millwall uh, away which i think was uh, in, in fact i think his debut might have been might, might have been Ishmael's last game if i remember correctly um and like it actually looked good for about for, for the first half an hour when we really should have been more in the game and he was one of the only ones to come out of that with any real credit and then Bruce came in and Bruce obviously wanted to play a bit more of a mobile system and didn't want to focus on him uh, as much. So he he, he sort, sort of started leaving him out. But it, 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 
but then Carroll started coming off the bench and like and making a big impact. He yeah. he got the equaliser um, at, at home against Huddersfield in a two-two draw, um, and and was was magnificent in in that game. And I, Bruce, in the end, got forced into into playing him him, him a bit more. And I mean, his, his standout performance was definitely at home to Bournemouth, where we beat them at the Hawthorns um, when you know they were flying and we were really nowhere and I mean Andy Carroll's even gone running in behind their defense to like <laughs> uh, uh, I mean it's it was a pretty damning indictment of, uh, of of Nat Phillips if I'm honest with you the, the fact that he got done for pace by Andy Carroll but non uh, but nonetheless he was uh, it, it was he scored a brilliant goal and he was it, it, the fans like he wore the armband as well yeah. um a, a couple of times the fans really liked him but from what we hear First of all, he asked for a lot of money in the summer. I think we had an inter- real interest in signing him, but the, mm. the word is he was asking for about twenty grand a week, which yeah. you know we were never going to come up with. For we can't somebody... afford anywhere near that. Like if if, we, if it comes to extending him in January, as we hope he will, for, for anywhere close to twenty k, I don't think it's going to happen for us. But um, yeah, well, it's then, interesting. Then... I, yeah. I didn't realise he'd, he'd made stuff, such a... Yeah. Well, Bruce, Bruce burnt, uh, burnt bridges with him, unfortunately. Bruce basically said some stuff in the press about how um, having Andy Carroll in your team dictates your style of play and we don't want yeah. to be dictated to in how we play. Basically, Bruce sort of lashed out a little bit, I think because Carroll wasn't... I think he didn't. I don't. I think he probably felt Carroll wasn't negotiating in good faith or as reasonably as he as he should be. And it, mm. it, he said some weird things in the press that just kind of. I can't imagine they went down very well in the in the Andy Carroll camp, and yeah. uh, and it it kind of burnt any bridges because all like when DK got injured, we were all saying, "Well, just go and get Carroll back then," because we you know we we put. We put more crosses into the box than anybody else in the league. Jed Wallace alone puts more crosses yeah, into the box. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, mm. you need somebody to get on the end of them. We were just like, go and get the best header of the ball in the league then. Mm. Um, yeah. But it wasn't going to happen. And I think a lot of it had to do with the stuff Bruce went and said afterwards. So, But no, he was extremely popular with uh, with, with, with Albion mm. fans. Um, and I think... Uh, the, a lot of us were. If he was asking for that kind of money, I can understand why we didn't have him back. But mm. equally, I think he would have absolutely thrived playing with Jed Wallace. Yeah, he's made a hell of an impression here again. You know, for the second time because we were gutted to see him leave, but at the same time, now he's back. He seems happy. He's such a big presence, and he's often value for a goal, and he'll be well up for it on the weekend. Just very quickly before we get onto our score prediction. The second player I wanted to mention is the big elephant in the room, that is John Swift. Because <laughs> you were saying about how um, the management, both upstairs and downstairs, were signing players that were known to them. I think Ron Gourlay, someone's going to correct me, I'm sure, um, has now signed John Swift for three separate clubs because I think <laughs> he was instrumental in getting him in at Chelsea as a youth player. Uh, we ended up signing him on a free... Uh, in Reading, though, I don't know if Gourlay was necessarily in at that time. So, again, might be wrong. But then he's, he's rocked up at West Brom because he was a known quantity to Gourlay. And he's gone from being one of the championship players of the season last year to not quite hitting the ground running for the baggies, even though I think he's got two goals, two assists. Um, I'm mainly interested to see just how you're using him because he's, as far as Reading fans are concerned, he's never been an out-and-out number 10. But he's not. where's yeah? He's he's not that kind of player. He always drops deep to collect the ball. He's relatively tenacious on on his best days. 
how's he started for you guys? Because it's, it's not quite gone to plan yet, has it? No, disappointing. But but I think I think part of the problem with Swift is you know it's typical with our recruitment department and not having a plan. As you say, we went out and got a guy that that, that Gourlay knows well, but I don't think there was any real football understanding of it. I mean, you know, uh, Bruce got some criticism for bringing him on on the left wing. Um, uh, last week against Luton and and he said oh I don't understand why the fans are booing when I'm bringing on the, the guy who's got the most assists in the in in the championship over over the last uh, two years and it's like because you're bringing him on out of position Steve yeah. you know it, 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 I mean look we we obviously did the data on on John Swift in the summer and and what we what we effectively said is that um you're right. People were thinking what we were buying was a Matias Pereira replacement, and we absolutely were not. Um, you look at a lot of John Swift's assists, and where, where a lot of them come from is from the physicality of Luca Zhao, because he, he gives the ball to Luca Zhao and lets him do the rest. And actually, yeah. when you look at where he was giving the ball to Luca Zhao, it was actually pretty deep. It wasn't like yeah, he was but that's exactly it's, it's balls from deep into yeah. Zhao's feet, and then Zhao will shift it onto either foot and be able to create the space for himself. Yeah. But he's not the sort of player that gets to the byline and then like cuts it back he's never been that kind of player and the way we've played him is 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 like he's a guy that you can like like Matias Pereira that you can give the ball to in the final third and he will play the killer pass he's been drifting out to the left an awful lot you look at his his positional data and and he he's he's almost he almost ends up as a left winger as Grady comes in comes inside and he just get, he gets a little bit lost in games, if if I'm honest with you. But we don't we, we haven't played a system that that suits him. And we were saying this on on the podcast that because um, we, we were actually discussing John Swift in some depth after after the Luton game, hmm. um, and we were saying that we've made one of two mistakes: either a we should never have signed John Swift because he was not what we needed, and we needed an out and out number ten. Um, because that's what we've been crying out for since Pereira left. Or we do sign John Swift, but we shouldn't have signed Yoke Yukoslu yeah. because if you're going to sign John Swift, what you need is that roving number eight. And what we were originally yeah. looking at was Joe Rothwell from Blackburn for that number eight, who would have been fantastic, a proper box-to-box midfielder who John Swift could have got uh, could, have, could have got into the box and, you know, we could have created chances for him. And basically, Swift would have ended up being like almost a second striker at times mm. or be able to drop off and, and almost uh, trade places with Rothwell at times. But Yukoslu is just not that dynamic. He is an out-and-out defensive midfielder and when he's fit he's one of the best in the division but nonetheless it's with Swift in the 10 role it's not what we needed yeah and it just it, it it's it's ev- it's everything to do with the Albion I mean look mm. you know you can rat you can rattle through the side if you want like you bring in Swift who's a 10 who, to play as a 10 when he's not a 10 he is one of the best players in the division but not the way we're playing him you bring in Jed Wallace the best crosser of the ball but you don't have a, you don't have a physical type striker yeah. at, at center forward you uh, you bring in okay Yakoslu who's one of the best defensive midfielders in in the division now but he needs legs around him and he needs passers around him because he's his ball distribution is poor and he's not pacey or energetic and then you play him alongside Jake Livermore or, or, or you know, Jason Mullumby's got more energy, but he's still not got the quality on on the ball. Um, and it's just, there's no... There's no joined up thinking. No, there's, there's no, no joined up thinking. Because it's, 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 it's either 
what it was like at Reading at times is, is square pegs in round in round holes. But I, I think from what you're saying at the Albion, it's having players who have certain strengths and not playing to them. And, you know, that both from a system and personnel kind of point of view, because Swift was unlocked for us when, like you say about the roving eight, funnily enough, Swift came alive um, in that season under Poundovic when we had Andy Rinham-Hotter and Josh Laurent, who were, you know, our box-to-box mm. shuttlers. And funnily enough, all three of them left the club last summer, both Swift, Laurent and Rinham-Hotter. And they're all like in similar predicaments where their new clubs are not, using them to the best of their abilities or they don't suit the style or the system or whatnot. And then unexpectedly, you've got Reading who, against everyone's expectations, not least the fans, are somehow in the playoff positions. But, you know, I think the likes of Swift will be looking back and thinking, oh, gosh, what's happened there? But Well, I don't, this, I don't, I don't yeah. know whether he will. I think because uh, mm. I, I think I think he'll be counting his money a little bit. And, uh, he will, because we were never going to be able to get him yeah. that at Reading. Like, we didn't have the budget for that. And, and everyone was expecting that- to go. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but uh, but the, but the reality is, as you say, John Swift is earning far more money at, at West Bromwich Albion than he ever Completely. would have been at, at Reading. But the, but and this will probably ring true with you guys with Gourlay as well. It's it, it, a bit of a commentary on that. Is is that you know we needed a squad overhaul in the summer. We, we'd had Valerian Ishmael as manager the, the previous season. He'd kind of got rid of any creative players in the middle of the park because he basically bypasses the midfield and goes defence up to the up to the strikers or into the channels for the for the wide men. And and basically the, the two central midfielders under Val were there to defend and nothing else. So given that we weren't going to play that way anymore, we needed to overhaul the squad and rebuild it. And the squad was thin anyway. So we needed, Mm. we needed more, uh, we needed more players as well as better quality ones or more technical ones. And yet Gourlay goes out with the first two signings of the window and blows the entire budget on Swift and Wallace. That's classic Gourlay. Classic Gourlay. And whilst Just we, cashing yeah, checks that we can't afford, yeah. You know? And whilst we're all celebrating that we've signed, we've signed Swift and Wallace because they're two great players for this level. And then we go and get OK Yukoslu, who again won't have come cheap. All of these on wait, they're all on freeze, but their wages are enormous hmm. for this division. I mean, we blew Burnley out the water for Jed Wallace, so God knows what we're paying him. He's a yeah. fantastic footballer, but God only knows what we're paying him, and. Uh, and uh, and then we get up into the rest of the window. DK gets injured, and we've got we're, we're giving away Moa on loan to, um, to to Middlesbrough because we need to free the wages up to try and get another striker in. Then we you know we're giving Kipre away um, to Cardiff on loan, even though we've only got three centre halves in the entire club because even our young centre half we've sent out to Cheltenham. Um, we don't replace the goalkeeper. We've lost an England international goalkeeper in Sam Johnston. And we don't yeah. replace him. And we replace him with one of the worst goalkeepers the championship has ever seen in <laughs> David Button. Um, and uh, and then by the end of the window, we're scratching around and we're signing Martin Kelly and Eric Peters. And we're signing um, uh, Tom Rogic, all of whom probably in their own right are half decent players, but they're all unfit. Yeah, because none none of them have had a preseason. None of them have had a club. Well, most of them haven't had a club. Kelly was at Palace, but wasn't playing. So you know, Kelly's just about getting back now. Rogic 
played uh, tried to play half pretty much half a game against Swansea and was absolutely blowing out his backside and, and couldn't do it. Peters actually, to be fair to him, looks fairly up to scratch. Mm. But Yukoslu has played what the first eight or nine games, and now it looks like it's absolutely killed him. Because yeah. again, he was having no he was having no uh, preseason because um, he, he'd left Celta Vigo. So you know, we we end up in the market after blowing all the money on Wallace and Swift, scratching around, having to bring mm. in guys who haven't had a club for six eight weeks and have had no preseason, and trying to thrust them not only into a championship season but because of the World Cup, the most intensely packed championship season there's probably ever been. Ever been. You know, eight yeah. games in 31 days is what what we're in the middle of at the moment. And it, it's just, it's... It's no a disaster class in squad like, building. No it's plan. a disaster class. Yeah. And a lot of that, like you say, rings true because it was either having the wrong players on, or the right players rather on silly money and that we still have players in our squad who aren't even getting a look in at the moment, like Liam Moore who are on like daft wages. We're talking like mm. upwards of 20K. And um, it's and just no joined up thinking. And like you say, it's no way to build a squad, especially in the circumstances that you guys find yourselves in yeah. with the and fixture pro- list that and we've and he got. Promised a, he promised a sporting director when he came in as well. He said, I need to fix the football structure. There's no sign of one. I mean, he's had the yeah. job since February. Um, and um, I mean, some of the, uh, a lot of the talk is, does he, does he even actually want to relinquish some of the power over to somebody else? Or is he just quite egocentric? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he quite likes doing it all himself. I mean, I, I would say, suggest from our from our own experience, unless he's learned big time from his time in Birch, I would suggest it's probably the latter. But right, we could go on quite happily for another seven hours <laughs> because <laughs> oh I don't god, know yeah, about... if you get me Gourlay bashing, I'm here all night. <laughs> well, look, I don't know. I imagine it's been pretty cathartic for you, but it's also been kind of cathartic and relieving for me the fact that we shot at the man. But you know, he's probably listening to this, and his lawyers are going to going to be on the phone to Elm Park Rules in the morning. But um... well, we haven't said anything. That's, we're, uh, <laughs> no, look, it's true. We haven't said anything thing that's not that's not true the the, yeah. the fact is that this is this is this is what happened and he had look he's got time he's got time if he wants to live up to these promises he's in the middle of a recruitment process at the moment if he wants to if he wants to do it properly this time rather rather than hiring yeah. somebody who's uh, who's who's his friend somebody out of his phone book then you know look albion fans if things if things turn around and, and and somebody actually takes good care of their their football club, they are forgiving people, and they will they they will forgive the past if you start treating their football club with some respect. Yeah. But the honest to god fact at the moment is that West Bromwich Albion fans do not feel that Ron Gourlay or Ian Pierce or Gauchon Lai and in recent weeks Steve Bruce have treated their football club with enough respect and that and and, uh, we we feel like it's been run like run like an old boys club that's Mm. that's what it feels like at the moment and if if Ron Gourlay wants to go and prove me wrong over the next six six to twelve months please do Ron because I take no joy in having a go at you on Albion analysis every single week I do it because (laughs) you're ruining my beautiful wonderful football club that I've supported all my all my life if you want to put the pieces back together I will get behind you like nobody's business because that's all I want is success for West Bromwich Albion I don't want to don't want to have a go at Ron Gourlay but Mm. at the moment I've got no choice because I feel like he's running my club into the ground well, look, by the time we speak to you guys in 12 months or so, or if you get us on the reverse fixture... Why, are you going into League One? 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, I might, but, but you never know. I mean, like the wheels might <laughs> fall off the Paul Ince wagon in, in spectacular fashion. But in, in the here and now, in, you know, talking about the fixture on Saturday, let's do a rapid fire score prediction because I reckon we're going to, I've never, ever, ever predict a win. I never do. And I know we're up against, you know, a team that should be looking for a response after Bruce's you know, popped his clogs. He's not dead. He's just, he's just, he's gone. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, we're, we're at home. Our home record's pretty good. I don't think it's going to be, well, I don't think we're going to batter you by any means, but I fancy is for like a 2-1 win. So that's what I'm going with. I mean, do you have any, any separate thoughts or? I mean, look, I, I've got no faith in us getting, getting a result whatsoever. The only reason I'm going to say this is because it, it is because, we draw every blooming game, so I'm going to throw a one-one into the mix just because right. we've 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 drawn we've drawn eight out of thirteen. So what what's what's a ninth draw between friends? Yeah, well, I mean, you're going into double digits soon, surely. So um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see whether we you end up getting that point or not. But regardless, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Genuinely, it's um, I, I feel like we've had an impromptu therapy session for free tonight on the Empire <laughs> Royals preview podcast uh, to those of you at home be sure to follow Albion Analysis on Twitter at Albion Analysis and follow Chris as well that's at CJ Hall 83 and uh, to those of you going to the game be safe have a well, be safe it's Reading I mean how safe can it be but um, you know enjoy the game thanks for listening to another one of these previews they're coming thick and fast at the moment because it's you know, pre and if, and if we start season. chanting Gourlay out, please join in. Oh, we will. Thanks to you at home. Take care. Up the ding. Come on, you ours. See you later. <laughs>